misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead. It's just sleeping with me, Willie White Bread. And my mock audio slave. Oh, my God. That sounds more Australian, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Oh, God. <laughs> a little bit. So, sorry about the uh, the little snafu of recording last week. We were all on our own agendas. Mark was world traveling, and I was on a tractor puttering around for a couple days. So, we're going to make up for it and hopefully do a nice, long episode this week and what is that episode on mark i say about pink floyd pink floyd you sound like you're sick <laughs> pink yeah pink floyd everybody pink floyd i am sick and we haven't gone a whole lot into them yet and the reason being is because these guys command a certain degree of respect that we couldn't dedicate to them at the time so we're gonna do that now and what a more like what a, what an amazing original band, yeah, right? Yeah. Because most most all bands from that time period, they were all doing the psychedelic thing. So were was, they? Well, they were. However, they weren't. They were. They were one of the only bands from back then that wasn't based on blues. They really weren't. Well, until Gilmore came in the picture, I think they they were doing a lot of uh, a lot a lot of bluesy stuff. Yeah, they. Yeah. Well, he brought in a little bit of that that blues rock guitar kind of stuff. Right, but I right. feel like. In the beginning, the direction. Oh, that in they the were beginning, it was it was total. Pop. I think it was more pop, Brit pop, right? With crazy psychedelics, and they had, you know, uh, a subpar, you know, lighting system, and and you know, you know, they had they had a projector screen, you know, and everything with the acid drops, and it was yeah, it was the acid drop parties that they were throwing, and, yeah. and it was just you know, forty five minute song lengths, and yeah, and that 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 was you know they were the pioneers, you know, in in, in that that kind of scene, you know? yeah. Super, super unique. Um, so we started out actually with uh, Rick Wright, Richard Wright, uh, Roger Waters, and Nick Mason. They founded them. Uh, and their original name, they played under Sigma Six. Right. That was their original name before Sid Barrett. They were all in school. Yeah. For what? Architecture. Mm-hmm. Right. Together. I think it was at Cambridge. Mm, not where, sure, not where, sure exactly. where all of them, all the English musicians seems to, seems to come from. Um, but yeah, they were, they, they played under Sigma six before Sid, Sid Barrett joined the band. Um, and then finally they, they renamed themselves the Pink Floyd sound. Right. And Sid Barrett, the crazy motherfucker. There was, was also a name there. They went by the T set. That was another, that was before Sigma, I think that was their right. original name. But then there was, how crazy is this in England? There was another band who claimed that they called themselves the T set first. So really, that that was why they kind of went to Sigma Six, and this is when they were they were smaller, right? This, this is well, yeah, this is before Gilmore. This is way before they were you know even thinking about recording, right? Like a, a real record, right? This is when they were just forming, uh, right? Yeah, T set. That's pretty cool, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're here, they're 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 doing their thing. They're all original, and, and when... Sid, Sid Barrett is with them at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, Sid, yeah, they played around at a couple little. Little coffee shops, a couple little, you know, wherever, little small venues under uh, the Sigma Six. And then finally Sid Barrett joins and they get renamed uh, the Pink Floyd Sound. Mm -hmm. And then it's dropped down to just Pink Floyd. Well, I think uh, the name Pink Floyd, I don't know if it was Waters maybe, he, he took the... He was listening to these uh, these blues guys at the time, and and one of the he took like the first first name and the last name of the of the other guy, so that's what's where Pink Floyd came from because he was listening to the Pink Anderson and Floyd something something or other, yeah, and that was where he got the the name Pink Floyd, yeah, yeah. And I always thought it was kind of funny with that uh, with the Pink Floyd because everybody would always ask like the record producers because they've been with a couple different record producers and and record companies, uh, and everybody would always ask which one's Pink. And that was kind of mm -hmm. off that "Have a Cigar" song in uh, "Wish You Were Here," right? Right. And that that song was without jumping around too much. Um, that song was about when they came to America the first time, and they were signing with a record company. 
the guy lit up a cigar and he was essentially like, "Hey, here, boys, have Such a, a cigar." Great song. I love that. Song. Yeah, and and that's that's one thing that I absolutely love about Pink Floyd is because remember what we talked about in a few different other episodes. Most of these bands, like their first album, is always the absolute best because that's about real, real stuff. You right. know what I mean? Real life experiences, strife, emotion. It's hard work because these guys are. They're working their asses off. They're trying to make it, right? Yeah. And the second, third, and fourth album are about, I mean, what else? They're always on the road. So what What else do they have to write about? Right. Right? Mm-hmm. They're writing about being on the road. However, Pink Floyd always stuck true to the direction that they believed, or the things that they believed. They stayed in that direction. Yeah. Right? And it paid off. And it absolutely Because, I mean, off. how many albums was it until they got to Dark Side? So it's like, right. they had to, you know, stay on that track. Psychedelic. All the way. Because when I first heard which one's pink, I was like, well, which one's the pink acid? Or oh, I don't understand what's, what that means. Because like, you know, to a kid, uh, you know, when I first heard that song, you know, what was I supposed to think? You know, I, I wasn't thinking at all like, oh, you know, that was because of a record, you know, producer. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, what, what had happened was going back to that a little bit. Uh, they were sitting there across in, across the table, and it was the cliche like car salesman type speech. It was like, "Here, have a cigar, kid. We're gonna yeah. go far." Yeah. And by the way, which one's pink? That yeah. that was actually that that actually happened. Yeah. The producer was like, "Oh, by the way, which one which one's pink?" Yeah, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah, you know, I just think it's funny. You know, yeah, it was, it's, it's kind of unique to put to it's put great. a face to it, kind of thing. You know. So so first record, first yeah. record, Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Mm-hmm. Dropped in what was that sixty seven? Yeah, I think it was. No, was it? 67? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was sixty seven, okay, yeah. and that's uh, that's after they signed with uh, EMI uh, Records, which is coincidentally enough the same records that the record company that the Beatles were with. Right. Talk about we were just talking about that earlier before the show. Talk about a daunting experience. You oh know what I mean? God. You're this young young band, and uh, you know a group of young kids, and you're signing with the same record of the biggest rock musicians in the not the country the world right at the time you know what i mean piper at the gates of dawn was a pretty interesting pretty interesting record i have to say that was that was pretty pretty chaotic yeah yeah Yeah. that was I i wasn't sure it was see emily play that was like their first hit single. I don't know if that was on Piper though. I have to look it up. I but... think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see Emily play is was definitely like you know one of those songs that that broke them apart from the pack. You know, early on. Right. You know. So and uh... Sid, Sid, despite all his in, indiscretions, he was an incredible songwriter. Oh, great! Yeah, he, he had a couple little weird ones in there, like bike. You know, yeah. I've got a bike. You can ride it if you. I mean, I, I remember singing that. But that's another thing that sets them apart. The originality, like, yeah, out of the box thinking that they were doing at the time. You know, it was only Floyd. Only Floyd could do it. Right. It you makes know, the you Beatles sit ain't there. gonna do it. They tried. You know. Right. It kind of makes you sit there and look at each other like this motherfucker. I've got a bike. I remember being like eight or nine years old and I'd be on my bicycle like singing that song because my dad was a huge Pink Floyd fan. You know, I'd be yeah. sitting there. I've got a bike like riding around and people thought it was fucking nuts. <laughs> but but anyway, so Sid Sid back at those times for the for the brief two albums that Sid was with them, uh, he was a fantastic songwriter. He 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 was good. He he brought them to hits. They were. And what were you saying about the? He was crazy uh, good. Oh yeah, he was he was fucking he was fucking crazy. What what was that show you were talking about? He was on a show and they they wanted him to lip sync. Yeah, there was a, a TV show in in Britain where where they were, like their first TV appearance, I believe it was. And uh, at the time, you know, he was already freaking bonkers, you know, Sid Barrett was. So they said, okay, Sid, all you have to do is stand there and lip sync to the song and that's it, you know? And so he literally just stood there and he didn't do it. And it was just live TV. You know, this is back in the... In the oh, this was live. Live TV. And he just stood there not saying anything, not moving his lips. And <laughs> from, you know, that was that point on, you know, that, that they were, that's when thoughts became... Maybe we need to uh, let him move on to greener pastures. Oh well, they, they. Well, with that though, is they didn't want to. No, no, they, they were they terrified. Were, they wanted to. Yeah, they wanted him. They didn't as long as they could. Right. But there was a point where they broke, and they said, you know, maybe we shouldn't pick Sid up today for rehearsal, and then, and that and that's kind of oh, how it started. That was kind of a a deep slippery slope. 
for yeah. old Sid. And that's kind of interesting to me, and then too. Flash, fast forward two years later, yeah. he comes into the studio to visit them after, you know, after they're, you know, successful. Yeah. And um, when he first walked in, they, no one even recognized him. And it, it really troubled Waters, as you know. Oh, as, I'm as sure. I, as I looked it up. Yeah, he was he was skinheaded because they loved Sid. Mm-hmm. You know, they dedicated they an, with him. Yeah, they dedicated yeah. an entire album to him. That the Wish You Were Here album, right, right, was dedicated to Sid Barrett. You know, and that's I think a lot of their writings definitely had the Sid undertones oh, yeah. as well. You know, yeah, between that and have, Rob- have a cigar what was it, you know you used to you used to ride in your Jaguar and. Mm-hmm. Play, play loud guitar. And they, yep. that was Sid, those are Sid references for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They they there's a lot of little. That's wish you were here. Yep. Little cameos. That's definitely of whole, Sid. Of Sid. You know, and that's but, but the wall itself wasn't about Sid going crazy. Mm-mm. And that that's kind of like what my, blows my mind. Like, okay, yeah, you know, wish you were here. That was about Sid Barrett. But no, this one about mental illness. This one's definitely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I think it's still it. I, he, Roger Waters can until he's blue in the face. He can say it's not about Sid Barrett, but come on, everybody knows. Um, I think I think it had some Sid Sid undertones in it, but oh, I think yeah. I think that and Dark um, Side of the Moon. Yeah, that doesn't mean Dark Side of the Moon like an astro- astro- astronomy class. Well, now, what it means is Dark Side of the Moon. You're you're you're, you're you know it's lunacy. You're 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 out of your mind. Well, I mean, with that, after like we were talking about after Saucer Full of Secrets. Um, which is the last album that they filmed with Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett was really weird about the limelight, and I, you you find that very prevalent in a lot of these um, a lot of these classical classic rock bands. You know, Janice was very much like that. Jim Morrison was very much like that. And and have it in today's music too. You have you know I'm sure. Maynard, a prime oh, yeah. example. I don't think he's so much nervous about coming out on stages. That's his fucking niche. Well, that is a dumb niche, dude. We we've already gone over this a hundred times. I, <laughs> yeah. I, you know what? I hate to love him. I really do. Yeah. I hate to fucking love genius. him. He's a genius. He's a genius. He's a workaholic. He's good at what he does. He produces fantastic music. They have not produced a shitty album. No, and he sounds good live. He sounds but good he, live. As a performance artist, he's a piece of shit. Well, like we talked about, man. Like I feel like when you're a performer. And then, and this does in case you guys are sitting here rolling your eyes in your car or whatever, talking about God, guys, stay on the fuck on topic. This is kind of kind of on topic with that because when when you're in an entertainment business, right? Whether you're a movie star, you're a writer, you're a screenplay writer, you're a musician, whatever you may be, an what orchestrated if you're, what musician. What's your gaff? In the- a gaff. Movie? You know a gaffer in a movie? I don't know what a gaffer is. Yeah, I know it. what a fluffer is. It's <laughs> a different type of movie. <laughs> those the, those guys. Totally different type of movie. Yeah, those guys aren't in the limelight. Or guys. Well, I'm sure there's what guy fluffers. You watching, bud? Hey, man, a lot of the straight porn stars, quote unquote straight, are actually gay. That's why. You ever been able yeah, to hold a hard on? Get that fluff me before I go over here. Yeah, I was going to say, you ever been able to hold a hard on for 45 minutes? <laughs> Not this guy. But anyway, I feel like when you're in the entertainment industry, and that is your primary duty in life, I feel like you kind of have a due diligence to kind of pay homage to the people that brought you there. Yeah. Right? Because you didn't get famous. The record producers didn't make you be famous. Be grateful. Be gracious. Something. And I'm not saying come out and blow everybody or give everybody free yeah, shirts or something, right. but at least acknowledge our presence. Exactly. You know, like I said, I've seen the Maynard. Fan, you're, fa- it's a, you're in a fan-driven, you know, industry. Right. I've seen Maynard three times, and he's pulled that same bullshit three times. When I saw him back in 08 in Hawaii, uh, I didn't even see him. I thought I was at a gorilla show. You know, the motherfucker, I didn't even fucking see him. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, if I wanted He's to... He's hiding fucking, by the drums. Yeah, if I not, if I didn't want to see the performers perform, why I would have just stayed but, home. But this last time we, when we saw him, why even bother dressing up? He dressed up in that black army outfit. Yeah. No one even saw him. I don't know, man. He's a but weird guy. Regardless, Sid Sid Barrett had a little bit of that. He uh, they started they started becoming a pretty big pop idol at that time in the in the '60s because they came out in '66. Um, Saucer Saucer came out in '69. Piper at the Gates of Dawn came out in '67, and then Umagama actually also came out in '69. So um, they were on a rolling trend. Who Umagama? Unlisten to album of Pink Floyd's repertoire. I think it's, I think it's a great album. Yeah, yeah. But they they always keep you guessing. 
You know what I mean? Those those albums always kind of keep you guessing. Yeah. And that was that was one of the geniuses, you know, one of the genius things, ideals behind Roger Waters. But anyway, Sid Barrett, he was very, very behind the scenes. He was very shy. He didn't like the limelight, and he god dang sure didn't like oh, being man. a pop idol. You know who that reminds me of? Hmm. hmm. Old hmm. Kurt Cobain. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I have mixed... A lot of mixed feelings about that, and I don't want to get into Kurt Cobain no, 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 like no, I please, do every please. single episode. I'm sorry episode. I mentioned it, everybody. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it, because you're just going to fucking... You're just going to fucking bring op- break open a can of worms. Yeah, so, Sid, at this time, began breaking on through a little too hard. The guy Taking was... the the hits of acid yeah, every single day. Every, every drop of acid in England was going into Sid Barrett, and the guy eventually fried his brain. His brain had been destroyed. Well, people like that. And, you know, like I said before, I have an uncle who went crazy from taking a hit of acid in the 70s and saw the devil. And then he decided never to come back to, you know, normal consciousness, just like Sid. I think that they have, they're, they're pre, there's, there's a little bit to them already before the drugs. That That's going to be most, mostly at you know, they're they're already crazy. Okay? Oh yeah, they're already nutsoid. Let's 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 just get that right there. Yeah, well, well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what psychedelics kind of do, right? That's what their purpose is: is to kind of extenuate your mind. Yeah, to take you out of your comfort zone. Take you out of your comfort zone and extend your mind into into a different reality, right? And make you face yourself, right? And and your thoughts and your you know your fears and your loves and your passions and all this kind of shit, you know. But anyway, so he just started. I mean, he was baking his brain i mean scrambled egg style oh yeah because i'm sure it just wasn't the acid probably other drugs that they were doing at the time and oh yeah of course and and then and then he leaves sid leaves um and then david gilmore steps in but before he left i want to talk about saucer saucer secrets a little bit because that i wouldn't say it's not my favorite album but it is it does have my favorite song on it Set the, con- set the controls for the heart of the sun. A great, great song. Oh my god! What a fucking great, powerful, stereotypical Roger Waters song. Yeah, you know what I mean. The the low tone bass line, rolling with a three piece melody. Right. You know what I mean. That's that's stereotypical. If you listen to almost any uh, Pink Floyd hit. That's what they're going to roll with, mm-hmm. right? So Sid leaves, and in comes Dave Gilmore. And, and listen, this is probably a good point. We could start talking about their album artwork as well. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. They used an artist. Uh, his name was Hypnosis. and uh, His name would be Hypnosis. Well, it's not Hypnosis. Hip, I can't say because it's H-I-P-G-N-O-S-I-S. Hmm. Hypnosis. Hip, I can't say it. Maybe the G silent. Anyhow, that person that artist was very creative and this was the first time that the record label actually okayed an outside um source for the artist from the band's uh, any band's recommendation up until that point there there was only the 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 record company said okay we have the artist we we this is what we want on on your cover this is what you're getting on your cover there was no right hands or butts and, and but now since Pink Floyd came around, they're like, no, 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 we're psychedelic. We have the people that we know, the artists that we know. We want mm-hmm. them to do the album cover. And so that was a breakthrough. Well, it was, too, because back then also is a lot of the album covers uh, were were of the band. You know what I mean? You look at, like, yeah, Peter Frampton. Right. The only one that I can think of from, from close to back then that was sort of similar to Pink Floyd's uh, album art concept was Santana. Mm-hmm. Like Abraxas and his his first album and I forget what his first album before that he he used a lot of crazy album art and kind of stuff. Right. Led Zeppelin did it a little bit, yeah, but yeah. not much though. Yeah, you know, more like, abstract. Right, right. If you look at like Frampton or or uh, Joplin or Jimi Hendrix or anything, it's of them. It's a picture of them. Yeah, you know, in whatever style that it may be of. So that's that was an actual great point. I didn't even think to to talk about that but um and also with saucer full of secrets they kind of shifted their focus a little bit from the poppy stuff to i hate saying poppy like pop back then meant something completely different than it is now so don't get it yeah, confused. well you could say brit pop brit pop yeah you know 60s brit pop specifically yeah. austin powers baby yeah correct <laughs> <laughs> right so they 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 started becoming very big into and interested into the the space stuff 
Right. Because right. that one, the Apollo moon landing was was coming around and all that, and they become very, you know, set the well, controls for the heart of the sun. spaced out, man. Mm-hmm. Far out, man. You know, they're, they're doing it. Yeah, and they, they, they ob- absolutely embraced the oddities of the time around them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like once David Gilmour came in, because they, they were having a lot of trouble after Saucer Secrets. They were because, Well, you know the reason they brought Gilmour in, right? What's that? Because Sid Barrett was so unreliable and they didn't know what to expect oh, from yeah, him. sure. They needed somebody to, 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 to bounce, you know, and take over in case he just fails completely, which he did several right. times before they got him out of the band. Right. So that, that's the reason right there why they brought Gilmour in to begin, to, to begin with. Right what i was saying previously the the band pink floyd because they were starting to pick up momentum at this time yeah with saucer full of secrets you know they directed it to the more spacey stuff they were doing making a lot of sounds recording a lot of shit that not many people had heard before it was definitely original i mean they, they were the godfathers fathers of psychedelic rock so right that's that was their niche you right know, especially in that time right and they would they would spend I know. I was remember. I remember reading a few things, and they would spend weeks on in, shut in a house or wherever they were—an apartment, a condo, a house, something—recording yeah. just s- sounds of them like beating on things with weird household objects. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? After after uh, Dark Side, they, they had to take a long break because not now was the tour a long tour, but just recording that album took so much out of them mentally and physically. You know, just trying to get the, the guitar tracks right, trying to get the sounds, you know, from the synths to sound the way they want it to sound. Like, they, they did not... One note on, 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 the, on the entire album, you know, was, was not unturned probably at least four or five times. You know? Right. Yeah. Right. And that's fan- that's fantastic. So after Amagama, we've got Adam Hart Mother, which is... Yeah. It's a good album. Yeah. It's a great album. But uh, I don't know. It's just... It wasn't one of my personal favorites. Uh, it was a good album. It was a great produced album. And it was more of what you would expect from Pink Floyd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was more of that eclectic, chaotic rock and roll that you would expect from Pink Floyd. And and this is and this was kind of the turning point with them to Adam Hartmother because, you know, that optimistic 60s kind of broke free to the, the troubled 1970s. And that's where Pink Floyd started really picking up momentum because that's a lot of the music because... Uh, you know, we'll give the man his due. Roger Waters was the primary songwriter, if not the only songwriter, because that was a lot of rift between the band is, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, Roger Waters was a writer and he was a theatrical kind of guy. And and Gilmore was more of a music musician. But Gilmore had ideas as well. Oh, and of course. Every time Gilmore would step in and say, I want to do this. Waters would crush it. No, I'm taking over with this song or, you know, this idea. He, like, he wanted to be the leader of the pack. Waters did not want anybody else writing. You know, that's, that's just how the guy was. You know, he was just kind of, you know, in my opinion, that was kind of fucked up what he, what he did to the rest of the group, you know, because right. he was like squashing your creativity, you know, basically. Right. So, you know, you'll just do what I tell you to do and you'll shut the hell up. Yeah, well, that didn't work out for too, too terribly long. No. Well, well one uh, album... <laughs> One album we did forget to mention was More. Mm-hmm. That was the the second album that came out in '69, uh, following uh, um, well before a little bit before Amagama. Mm-hmm. But uh, that album was actually recorded for a movie. Yeah, it, I don't I forget the name of the of the movie. I have no clue. But it was a weird, obscure like B C list flick. Yeah. Um, and that's what it was recorded for. And that was that was a a decent album. It was. It was very much a theatrical album. It was very much a little bit strange for even for Pink Floyd because every one of their albums to me, because they do such a great job of making the album one continuous song. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a story from beginning to end. Right. And you like that's what that's what's weird to me about like when a, when a Pink Floyd when they have when you have like a like a Pink Floyd song on a on like a random playlist. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just doesn't sound right. Or know? if you had just a Pink Floyd mix. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like if you, if you put on dark side of the moon or, or metal or, or something like that and you just hit shuffle, it's going to sound fucking weird. It's going to sound you know, I don't garbled to it, yeah. and, and just kind of 
out of place. They had a few songs on that Moore album that I thought were were noteworthy. Uh, one of them being the Nile song. That was kind of a to me that was kind of a harder rock song for Pink Floyd, and that was one that David Gilmore frontmaned. Uh, he was he was singing. He was the frontman of that song, and he had his his usual very upbeat shredding guitar licks. And I thought that was interesting because if you ever go back and listen to that song in comparison to a lot of Pink Floyd songs, they're not hard rock songs. Every now and again, you'll have a little bit of a hard breakthrough, like a hard segment, maybe a hard 10, 15 seconds. But but, they were always about the ambience. Right. You know, right, right. And then uh, the crying song, that was a like a kind of a lazy sort of dreamy song it was it was dual sung by waters and gilmore that was a very interesting song it was a it was back to that more relaxed pink floyd feel mm-hmm. and then uh, up the kai bar that was a pretty interesting song because it was an instrumental song uh and one of the only ones written by rick wright and nick mason so it had a had a very strong bit of eerie keyboarding and extended drum solos, which you didn't hear because they weren't focused. You know, he wasn't John Bonham. Nick Mason wasn't John Bonham. Oh, no, no. He He wasn't slamming that thing. He has the typical Nick Mason boom, 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 boom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's as as basic as as you can get, you know. Right. But it worked, you know. Yeah, it did. His timing was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I th- I mean, I thought it was a good album. It was a little bit weird. You can definitely kind of, is, is, once you hear that and once you know that it was made for a movie, you can definitely tell. Yeah. You know. So so moving further, we talked about Adam Hart Mother, Just a Hair, and that was pretty good. But then we're going to move on to, and, and Adam Hart Mother came out in 70. Like I said, they started breaking up and, or breaking up, breaking out in the 70s. And that's when they started really picking up momentum. And then my personal favorite album dropped in 1971, which is Metal. Yeah, great album. Oh my god. Yeah, Echoes, you know. Oh, that was all I mean that and that's the kind of unheard of shit that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Right? Cuz they weren't getting radio play with this stuff. No, no. They weren't. And at this point they weren't in it for you know, the money. They were Roger Waters definitely was. Oh, well, yeah. But they, you know, with Sid still lurking around, they weren't getting much out of it. No, no. But I mean, that album to me was very very well written. Mm-hmm. Very interesting album, very well written album, and echoes. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm that 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 whole B like B side album, mm-hmm. B side of the album being taken up by echoes. That had to be kind of a rarity. Oh yeah, for that time. I wouldn't think that anybody has done that. Maybe you know unheard of artists, probably. But. Right, right, right. But they didn't. They didn't start. Uh, they didn't start getting into the more political stuff. And I wouldn't say they were heavy, heavy political, but they, they were, they wrote about real life stuff. Like they wrote about the real intricacies of what they were going through. Yeah. Metal kind of is, is also where David Gilmore just kind of took off, you know, because yeah. until then he was kind of like, he just like, you know, hanging out on the sidelines, you know, just, doing his you know his parts but now he 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 emerges a little bit more i think in metal right yeah absolutely well yeah that was a very guitar oriented song he was very heavily in start hearing little pieces of what's to come in future albums yeah if you listen to metal yeah absolutely that and that's by far i wouldn't say by far but that's that's definitely my favorite album okay yeah. yeah, and interesting for them because, like I said, that's that's right about the turning point when they started. They started because the dark side, dark side of the moon album that that kind of encompassed a little bit all over the place about their beliefs. You know, because right. a lot of things they 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 sung about and they wrote about perspective. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And their and their instrumentals kind of followed up their perspective with feeling, right? Because the their their instrumentals are gonna are gonna bring about the emotion. Yeah. Right. They're going to wrap up the song. They're going to complete the song. Right. And so that's the kind of stuff that they would talk about. They would talk about like, or they would write about going, going to these record deal meetings and how it made them feel or, you know, the wall album. Yeah. They, they were writing about like their views on the education system and not necessarily calling the edu- education system bad, but it was, 
it was talking about the education system in, in, in modern day society turning kids into drones, essentially, turning kids into robots. Mm-hmm. You know, and Darkseid kind of talked about the duality of man, like the the uh, different stripes and extremities that, that, that us as human beings have to go through in real life, like money and the, the time crunch in mm-hmm. life and just, yeah. you know. I see it. It's just, I don't know, it's just very interesting to me. Oh yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a, it's a, a lot better than talking about baby, baby, ooh, baby, baby, you know, and all the other music that's, that's going on, you know, right. at the time. Well, they definitely have a a uh, you know a few. They have a couple albums where you can put them put them in the background as kind of background noise. Like more is kind of like that. Oh yeah, yeah. metals kind of like that. If you want a little bit something happy and weird, you can I throw think on Piper. What they were going for before Sid's departure. I think what they were going for was simply. Take a hit of acid, right? And listen to this record, and just wig out and get weird. You know, right. that's basically what they were all about, right? Before Dark Side, right? Yeah, right. Because that was their big breakout. Oh, that right? was huge. But yeah. but before that, you had Obscured by Clouds, which came out in 1972. It was a good album, but it it kind of felt like they were trying to move towards a new direction mm. in that album, and it 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 almost sounded a little Beatlesy to me well a little bit was that sid's last album no sid's last album was saucer oh yeah yeah all right what the hell am i thinking about i don't know that was he was gone we didn't even talk about it that's why oh saucer full of secrets well no we didn't talk about his departure oh well yeah he left he fried his nugget (laughs) scrambled the old brain piece yeah son of a gun he did yeah and he was he was kind of a shut-in after that wasn't he yeah he was I don't know why I kept thinking he was he was with him for so much longer. Oh no no no, no he was he was gone very early and then Roger Waters used that opportunity to absolutely carpe disband and sucked him right up right right. So we're in 1972. We're in Obscured by Clouds. Like I said, it was a good album. It flowed. It had that that absolute Pink Floyd flow to it. Can you know all of their albums sound like five albums in one? You know. Every every single one of them, and they do they do a fantastic job of that. Well, I mean that's maybe what they were going for. Maybe they were going for let's go from album one and be like a continuation for for each album. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then we'll move forward a little bit to Dark Side. That is the P.S. to Resistance it's a masterpiece. That's, yeah, it's a masterpiece. It's, it's plain and simple. One of the top tel- selling albums of all time. Uh yeah, it was all it was actually it is their top selling album yeah, of all time. I think it's the third one 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 of the three, right? Of all time. Oh I'm sure. I don't know the statistics behind that, but I'm sure it's an absolute fucking bombshell. Yeah. It's a bombshell of an album. It spent seven hundred and forty one weeks on the top one hundred charts. That is insane. Yeah. Insane. I'm not great at math. Hooked on phonics don't done too good for me. But that's a long fucking time. That's pretty goddamn unheard of. Yeah, oh yeah. If you were to ask me, if you were to ask me, were you to ask me? I wasn't asking. <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So so once once Dark Side hit, I feel like I feel like this was the turning point in Pink Floyd where they were like, "Okay, let's relax a little bit on the chaos and let's 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 get in the studio and actually make something beautiful." Speaking of the studio, they recorded at Abbey Road again. That's right. This will be the second time they're there. But talk about being under the gun. Like, okay, you're the uh, same producer as the Beatles, right? Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? This no. Is, this is what kind of pressure these guys were faced with, you know, at the time. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, I, I'm glad they came through. I mean. They came through in a big way. I mean, at this at this point... They kind of had a little bit of momentum to them, and especially yeah. after Dark Side. After Dark Side, everybody, I'm sure, at Abbey Road was like, "Okay, you know what I mean." All oh, right, they were, they were ecstatic, I'm sure. Right, but that, yeah, absolutely fantastic album. Uh, but they're still singing about relative content, like like I was saying, you know, nine to five work, government manipulation, you know, middle class targeting, uh, all the all this kind of stuff. And I think it was an absolutely just all original content. You know, sounds like one continuous song. Just 
all of it. It's just, it was absolutely great and well put together album. Oh man. Spectacular. Yeah. And then once again, for the album art, it yeah. was just a, a prism. That was all it was. Yeah. What was the, what Hypnosis was the did it that? again. The, 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 she, she did it again. Um, well, it was the, the, the cover of the album it has the the white light, the beam of white light going through the prism. Okay, mm-hmm. so the white light represents unity. Right. Okay. Once it, when it passes through the prism, that represents society. Mm. Okay. And then after it's refracted through, the colored light symbolizes unity, and diffracted light, there is an absence of the unity. So I mean, ah. there's there's messages even in the in the artwork. Well, maybe maybe this was kind of a satirical intro to the band kind of going through strife. Exactly. Because at that time they were exactly there. There was a power struggle going on between Gilmore and Roger Waters at the time mm-hmm. because Roger wanted to do all of this theatrical. Because you see his shows now, you can oh, see yeah. him on DVD. You know, the big oh, yeah. old wall crumbles and all this shit. And Dave just wants to get up there and play. And play. Exactly. He wants to play good music. Right. Right. You know, which I I I I went and saw the the live Roger Waters show about six or seven years ago. It was pretty awesome. You know, I thought the theatrics were cool. Yeah. Everything about it was was spot on. I mean, he did a very good job for the age he's at right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. And I mean, you you can't really blame the guy because, you know, you have two different minds going in two different directions. Exactly. You're going to have strife. Exactly. You know what I mean? You're going to have a little bit of conflict, you know, with it. But guess what? Hmm. The theatrics, that's what everybody wanted. You know, when the wall came out and when, when Dark Side, you know, with the pig, you know, that was like, oh, you haven't seen Pink Floyd. You have to go see. They have these, you know, big, you know, uh, puppets come out and they have, you know, pigs going across the stadium. And I mean, that's cool. Everybody wants to see theatrics. Look, freaking Alice Cooper. I mean, theatrics been part of rock and roll, you know. Well, back oh. then it was they were actually setting themselves apart. Exactly. You know what I mean? They exactly. were doing shit that's never been done. And, and Pink Floyd's no exception. Right. You know? Right. But, uh, so yeah. And I, and like I said, they were very, very themed albums. You know, Pink Floyd was, was about all of that government, you know, government control and, yep. you know, the, the strifes of humanity, the, uh, the, the, um, you know, the go between, between the duality, I should say of, of humanity, you know? So moving next in, subsequently the their second most successful album well wait let me say one more <coughs> quick thing about sure the dark side of the moon sure you know when the dark side of the moon was first released the band itself boycotted that album everybody except for richard wright because it wasn't quality stereo remixed in the quadraphonic you know sound of the times for some reason, the studio released it before the quadraphonic was was was, ah. was, was 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 done. So they were all saying, "Don't listen to it, guys. Don't listen to it until after the quadraphonic is, is pressed into your albums." So that was just a little thing I want, a little tidbit I wanted to touch on. Well, I actually still have one of the original quadraphonic receivers. Nice. I think it came out in like mine. It was a, it's a Sansui QRX nine thousand one quadraphonic it was one of the first big name quadraphonics that had come out i think it's an early it's definitely early 70s i want to say like 71 or 72 maybe and that kind of makes sense because you know dark side came out in 1973 so that that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah Yeah, that's pretty cool (laughs) so the next album like i said uh coincidentally is their second most successful album wish you were here believe it or not believe it or not honestly i thought for sure the wall would have taken over that that second spot, but it apparently it does not. Mm. No, who would have guessed? Yeah, yeah. Wish you were here. And that that album, I mean, oh, it rips. And, it, mean, and it's crazy too because I feel like a lot of people, because like you just said, you're like, oh, coincidentally, I feel like a lot of people forget about that album because there's no theatrics behind it. Right. It's yeah. just straight music. Exactly. It's music. Uh-huh. That's right. You know. So that album, that album came out in 1975, and obviously... Have a cigar. Have a cigar, you know, Comfortably Numb. All no. Jams. What? What? Comfortably Numb wasn't on What You Were Here? Yeah, it was The Wall. Was it? Yeah. Oh, I was wrong. Sorry. Don't listen to me. That's okay. I didn't know what's embarrassed. Left the band. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, 
But <laughs> he's he's hanging out during during metal. Just yeah, just out. hanging out. Hey, I'm just gonna here stand here and get paid. Yeah, rocking back and forth, <laughs> fucking <laughs> writing songs about bike horns or whatever. I, I, yeah, yeah, whatever. He may Drooling be doing. in the corner. Yeah, drinking acid, hanging out, putting shit in his eyeballs. But uh, <laughs> that was a that was a really good album. And and like I said, that was that was another themed album that was about corporate greed. You know, they they went along with that theme, and that was you know the theme of the album. And right. once again, it was one continuous song. It was well produced. Oh my god, great, great album. Yeah, that was uh, have a cigar. That's probably my second favorite Pink Floyd song. Yeah, I I would say that's probably up there in my top three. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, comfortably numb. I don't know. That's, that's my all-time favorite Pink Floyd. Oh, that's that's probably it's iconic. Wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm a guitar player, so I mean that solo to me is just that's one of the reasons I started playing the guitar for. Oh concert, yeah. So. Yeah. And this too, this is when when the the heat between the band because Roger Waters, you know, like I said, I'll give the devil his due. He yeah. was the primary songwriter. He was the primary songwriter. You know. So, anyway, moving through. Probably moving to my one of my least favorites in 1977, Animals. Yeah, Animals. Oh yeah, I can I can guarantee you that. And the thought about the whole thing behind Animals was that he was grouping different animals. Roger Waters was grouping different animals in society. That that was the the thought behind that album. Really? Yeah. Was the, the different animals represented different types of people? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That was that was his theory there. Oh, speaking of a little thing about about Dark Side of the Moon and 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 their theatrics a little bit, I just this just popped into my head. I remember remember we just went to the Laser Light Show at the Museum of History and Science. Right, right, right. I feel like both of my experiences with that because I told my dad I went and all that, and he was oh yeah, I've been to a hundred of them. They were all fantastic. Both of my times that I've gone there have been fucked. Why? The first time I was way too fucking drunk. And I got there and I fell asleep like two songs in. Mm-hmm. Woke up at the end with a headache. So obviously that was ruined. Yeah. And the second time we went there and saw it, the entire theater smelled like fart. <laughs> it didn't smell very pleasant in there. No, you walk right in there and instantly get pink. And I, th- I, I believe that is the same laser light show performance that we saw. That was probably been from the 70s. That was like... I was expecting a little bit more out of it. I thought it was going to be like an updated 2019 laser show, you know? Hey, don't change what works, right? No, I, I love the show. Don't get me wrong. It was great because I like that. I like seeing stuff, you know, that's original like that. So that probably was the original, one of the original light shows, I would think. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it works. It's pretty great. It's nothing, you know, astoundingly crazy that yeah. you would think. Yeah. I mean, they didn't give us 40 glasses. No, definitely no 4D, and the 3D <laughs> ones kind of made me want to vomit while I was smelling oh, those fart. Were, those were kaleidoscope classes. Those, oh. those were ridiculous. Like, I don't know how anybody could stand to look through those things for more than 30 seconds. Yeah, what would you expect from, you know, the Museum of History and Science? <laughs> yeah, they probably yeah. just used the same thing at the 3D dinosaur, IMAX, whatever the fuck. <laughs> Here, kids, go ahead. Just put <laughs> these on, guys. Dollar, yeah. dollar, dollar. Yeah, and that kind of, like I said, that kind of pissed me off a okay, little bit. I was back like, to the music. Motherfucker's farting. All I do is smell <laughs> shit. I'm trying to enjoy this well, band. I did, to, well, I did go to that burrito gallery right before. Was that you? No, that couldn't have just been you. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That was like a Power Rangers I don't fart think I was brigade. Sitting, I was sitting next to your wife. That I wasn't next to you. Yeah, the, well, that, that had to have been like a Power Rangers fart brigade because it filled the entire theater with fart. It was a pink <laughs> theater, and I smelled it for 45 minutes. <laughs> Maybe they just had... That know. was the dark side. That was the moon. dark side of the cornhole <laughs> is what that was. So moving past animals, not a big fan of animals. You guys may love it. Great album artwork. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, same chaotic kind of theme. They were they they went to a little bit they they bounced back to a little bit more chaotic feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is cool. It was it was yeah, decent, but it wasn't one of their best for sure. But now over to the powerhouse yeah 1979 my favorite the wall the wall and that's when everything started i don't know started dropping the wall started crumbling both figurative this is when they started going to superstar and this is when oh, they yeah. started selling out football stadiums oh yeah and they as a band 
didn't want to sell out football stadiums. They were oh, kind of no. like shitting bricks. Yeah. Literally. That's how they built the wall. They, yep. shit, they shot all those bricks. <laughs> <laughs> that's some funny shit. But, no, well, yeah. no pun intended. I see what you did there. You see what I did there? I saw what you did there. I also, and this is also a uh, a clear depiction of something, some trauma that happened in Roger Waters' life because his father was killed in World War Two. Yeah, that, you know yeah, that's. I think probably he was a little boy. Yeah, and and mm-hmm. you know that's a lot of the songs about you know the bombs going off, right? And the, you know, there's the war over yet. You know, it's all the it was his his childhood memories too, mixed with his dad being taken that, during that time. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, pretty, pretty heavy stuff, right there. Well, it was a heavier album. Yeah, it was a very, very heavy album. Oh yeah, and then and then they you know went and made the movie right along the yeah. side of that. Yeah, I think they had a lot more like throbbing vocals, a lot, lot heavier vocals. The instrumentals were a lot heavier in the majority of the songs, and it had that heavy, yeah. heavy overtone of of. I'm, I'm assuming World War Two, being that Roger Waters' father died in World War Two. Right. So I'm assuming that's where that came from. Right. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like like you were saying, a lot of those There's songs... There's just so many elements to that album. I mean, between the war and then, the, the you know, the whole rock star, you know, falling out of love with the music. I mean, that that was basically, you know, and then delved deeper into the drugs. And then you have the, like you were talking about earlier, society and school, you know, the anti-school stuff. Yeah. But it was just, they had so many elements that out in the theatrical side, yeah. coming from... From Waters, and then you had the freaking ridiculously killer guitar work that Gilmore did on the album. Richard Wright, you know, he blew up the keyboards on that album. I mean, yeah, it was great. It was just a great album, and it and it bounced around like like you said, very much from subject to subject. You know, you had this the the education reform stuff, and and a lot of people nowadays sing about that kind of stuff. Like they're making kids into robots. They're teaching it young. Well, today more than ever, I would think, because yeah. of what is that? Uh, that curriculum that they have to stick with the core curriculum core curriculum fcat testing yeah it's like it's just everything's you know the teachers might as well be robots these days they just hand the kids you know what what they're told to handle hand them and then they have to go abide by it otherwise they're going to get fired you know god forbid they teach them anything that they were going to teach them that they want to teach them right and that's something that that waters felt very strongly about common core oh common core they're thinking about getting rid of it actually they should they should but uh waters wrote that whole album yeah. He wrote that whole album. Yeah. I have to give him credit where credit's due. Absolutely. I mean, he freaking nailed it. And I think that's why when, because after this album, this is when Roger Waters fired Rick Wright. Yeah. He which fired. was bullshit, in my opinion. Well, it, it was him on his power trip. Because like I said, you know, Roger Waters felt that Pink Floyd was his band and Pink Floyd was nothing without him. Well, you know. Which was simply not the case. It wasn't all Waters. When, when it came to firing Richard Wright either, I think I did read somewhere that Gilmore actually admitted saying like, you know, yeah, he didn't, he's not really contributing when he comes into the, to, to the studio, he's more of a producer. He doesn't do anything. He just stands around not contributing, you know? Right. And so I think that, you know, he, he wanted them kind of to take a walk as well. Well, he did. And this is also, uh, well, this isn't, this is the album that Waters decided he was going to quit. He didn't quit till, uh, well, he he did quit. He did quit this album. He was done, yeah. and and then the next he album, wanted to go solo. Yeah, he wanted to go solo because he was well, over it. The thing about the wall is is before you know they started working on it, there was an album which was later released as um, Roger Waters solo album, yeah. but it was going to be between those two albums. It was either going to be going to do the wall or the one that he ended up doing solo. Which it was kind of a good thing that they picked the wall because yeah, otherwise we wouldn't have that today. Right, exactly. And uh, so along the times, along along the same lines of the uh, of the content within the album, uh, that song "Goodbye Blue Sky" that was a beautiful melodic song about you know the bombs, yeah, you know the aftermath of the bombs and Daddy, you know, would you leave behind for just it was yeah. just a very emotional kind of and it, and it kind of led you a li- if you read into the album you actually look did, into the music did like you see the frightened one yeah yeah you know? yeah if you kind of look into albums or music that you love like us weirdos do you can kind of and then you listen to the album again after you know a little bit about the basis behind it mm-hmm. like holy shit dude yeah he's like pouring it out oh yeah and then they also talk about kind of uh 
like in the opening scenes of the of the movie, they were talking. It has the guy there by himself, just cigarette burns everywhere, and they were kind of talking about what it's like to be, you know, you know, you got all these things that that money has provided you, but if you have nothing to share it with, you, you're nothing. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah. it, was, it, it was just a very, in, in in addition to being heavy, that was a very emotional album. I think they they named the Goodbye Blue Skies that song particularly because it's through the eyes of a child. Yeah, yeah. And through I, probably I him. was actually I was I was looking at these pictures the other day. I came across a picture of Britain during World War Two, and it was a picture of the sky after um, they had some kind of like bombings going going on, and there was a whole bunch of like you know airstreams, you know trails from the planes going by. Yeah, and that's probably what he was like. Goodbye, blue sky, because all I see is all this smoke and and fire and and death. You know. Yeah. That was what that song's about. And it's that's intense, man. That's intense, and that's and that's when, like I said, Roger Waters left, and this is and, and they had a meeting, you know, they're like, okay, well, Roger Waters, Water, Roger Waters didn't believe that they should be able to continue the Pink Floyd name, right? You know what I mean? And I kind of, I can kind of see because, like you said before we started recording, but did he, did he copyright the name? No. Yeah. Well, it was all of them, man. Exactly. Like, they all had like, yeah, you know. They're all Pink Floyd together. Right. Roger Waters, even though he's the primary songwriter, but, but he was also very he was headstrong. Like, F you guys, I'm going to take this name and I'm going to get this new group and still call it Pink Floyd. Right, but that wasn't going to fly. No, not at that you point. Know what I mean? Not at that point in their career. And you were saying that uh, that David Gilmore had admitted that he was a little bit lazy or yeah, whatever yeah, in he, the songwriting. He said, he said that. Well, I mean, when you have somebody, I can kind of see that and kind of constitute it my yeah, own way. Why would you want to write a song? Because he there was a couple songs that he took to to uh, Waters and, and Waters squashed him. He's like, nope, sorry, not for this album. This is my album. This is my baby. Right. Yeah. Right. So why would you continue writing if someone's just going to say, fuck you, man? Yeah, and plus too, like if you're on a, a landscaping project and you you and I are going in the backyard, and I'm like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna do this, that. And, I mean, why that kind of right. inherently Can allows I plant you. a flower? No, we're not planting flowers over there. Yeah, yeah, you would be like, well, fuck it. I guess he's gonna fucking yeah. run this, so and that's what Waters I'll did. Just hang back, yeah. yeah, I'll just hang back get and paid. get paid and write some instrumentals or plant some grass over here yeah, and work on my guitar solos. Yeah, all will be well, you know. And so this is this is when that whole. The lawsuits began because Gilmore and and Wright and Mason, they wanted to continue and they did continue, right? Because they wrote the final cut and that was the first album. uh, I think, no, 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 no. Momentary Lapse of Reason was the first album without Waters. Final Cut was the first album without Wright. Momentary is a good album. I thought so. Yeah. I thought that was a great album. Final Cut. Eh, It's all right. Uh, It's a little bit crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? Because they kind of... They're trying the, to go into Roots or something. Right, right, right. Because with, with Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, uh, The Wall, that was a very composed, very professional... Like, it sounded like a professionally made album. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas their Roots, we're talking Piper and Saucer and Umagama yeah. yeah, and Adam hear, Hartmother. Hear background noises and stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, They like I said, they spent weeks in their house making sounds out of weird fucking shit they found in their kitchen. On drugs. On drugs. <laughs> but uh, it, it kind of followed the wall very well um, because it was it was kind of describing a little bit about the the post effects of war. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the aftermath. Right. How people are. Because I, you know, being in my position, I've seen a lot of people uh, that are in this position and, and it's real, man. PTSD and shit like that was real. And back then, they didn't know what that was. No. PTSD, they just thought, oh, well, he's fucked up. He's going to have some weird dreams for a while, but they he's alive, know, so what's he bitching about? They didn't about? know PTSD mm-hmm. was until what? 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so that they were just saying, oh, you're alive. What are you bitching about? You know, and... and, and they, what, did they, what did they do? They gave the uh, those guys originally, they started giving them uh, ecstasy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's some MDMA, guys. Great. Fry. Th- feel better. <laughs> yeah, fry their brain, you know? And uh, one one song in particular off off the Final Cut album. By the way, that album came out in 1983, following the Wall. Uh, well, not quite following the Wall. Four years later, but yeah. you know, still the Wall. They were touring for that for years. You know, that was such a monumental drop. Oh, yeah, I mean, they could have stopped right there. Oh yeah, if absolutely. They to. If they wanted to, but they're they're all too good. Well, I'm not saying because they would want to stop, just because they couldn't get along with each other. You know, right? They're miserable at this point. Roger Waters wasn't flying on the same planes. He wasn't staying in the same right. hotels. He was just com- coming where, where, where he had to be. Uh, at one point, 
he he flipped Roger Waters flipped out and said forget it I'm going back to London and he and they they were on tour at the time somewhere else and so he went back to London and then the next night like reluctantly he showed back up you know like <laughs> well, yeah because he knows he has to be there to to, to reap the benefits of, right of, of what he's sown yeah because yeah, what are you gonna do bass player pick up that guitar player and rip or pick up that guitar and rip like Gilmore right. uh-uh. sorry Holmes not gonna fly you know but one song that really stuck with me um in that kind of human mind and effect on the body post-war kind of stuff was Paranoid Eyes. That was a great album. And this is one of the quotes from the album that I really loved. It said, you believed in their stories of fame and fortune and glory. Now you're lost in a haze of alcohol, soft middle age. Hmm. Like, I love that. That's deep, man. Well, it is deep because I, I see a lot of it, a lot of that prevalent, even, even nowadays, you know what I mean? And we're talking you know, 50, 60 something years later, right. you know, because you go in and you, Oh, I want to fight for my country. This is, this is what I need to do because that's what society tells you you need to do. And that's what the television tells you what you need to do. That's what the media at the time, the newspapers are telling you what you need to do. And of course you go into that recruiting office and they're like, Oh yeah, son, join with us. You're going to have this, that, and the other, and you're going to have glory and fame and all this. And then you go over and see all that shit. And of course the status of, of mental health care back then, mm was awful Bad. and it's not great now no. in the military i'm here to tell you and so what do they revert back to they're going to revert back to the only thing they can well healthcare alcohol. in general in my opinion is fucked up well yeah that's a subject for another time but yeah alcohol that's what they're going to do and and that's what they did and that's what it is alcohol soft middle age because that's what these people were these veterans they were fucking drunks yeah and that and that just destroys families destroys oh, yeah. human beings and, and yeah destroys them yeah. You know, drinking a quart a day mm-hmm. and all that shit. I know, I know. Yeah, and that that was uh that was the last album um that was the last album that they recorded together, Waters Waters and Gilmore because Waters was going so so deep into not wanting uh Gilmore to write anything. He was being so controlling that Gilmore only sung on one song in that album. Not right now, John, or not now, John. Mm-hmm. That was the only song. I'm telling you, it's because Waters was so controlling. You know? I mean, Gilmore might have been late, a little bit lazy, but I know he wasn't that lazy. He only had one song up his sleeve. Right. Which but. is ridiculous. So, so, so let's move on a little bit more. Let's speed this up a little bit. Momentary Lapse of Reason. That was, the, uh, that was released in 1987. First album without Waters. Yes. What, was, uh, what did you love about that album? Um... I thought the album was smooth from beginning to end. I didn't think it had too too much of like the earliness to it. It was it wasn't as crazy. It wasn't as mm-hmm. as psychedelic, um, but it definitely had those those great, you know, Gilmore riffs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, yeah, he was he was the front man now. I mean, but when he started, I, I like David's voice a lot. You know? Oh yeah, I, I like it more than Waters. Yeah, to be quite honest. Yeah, with you. I um, mean, it reminds me a lot of Allison Chains a little bit too. Oh yeah. You know, with Lane Staley and uh, Jerry oh, yeah. Cantrell, you know. Oh, yeah. Same same type of deal with two vocalists that sound a little bit similar, and they sound a lot really really well when they sing, sing together. You know, yep. they, they harmonize very well. Yep. But, that was a great album. And then after that, you had uh, The Division Bell in 94. I love that album. I great think, album. I think that was a great finish to their career. Yeah. You know? Well, I mean, they had another one that dropped in 2014. But... Well, that was just the that was just the, uh, the instrumentals from the Division Bell that that didn't make it make the cut. Right. So right, it, right. Wasn't, it wasn't actually a, like a real album. And funnier, it sounded like a happier Pink Floyd to me. It Division did. Bell. It did. You know what I mean? It wasn't so crazy. It's almost like they took a few years off, found themselves, and it sounded like a the happier. Grass Pink... is greener. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 That was right. our song. <laughs> Talking about the their days, childhood. The days were sweeter, and the grass yeah. was greener. Yeah. Yeah, Nights of Wonder, and it's funny too because the Division Bell was filmed, uh, or filmed, was recorded on Gilmore's floating studio. Yeah, he had a, he has a floating studio. I didn't know that. I wish I had a floating studio. <laughs> Who doesn't? That'd be fantastic. Oh my god! And then after that, uh, fast forward. Uh, let's see, eleven years later, and that, you know, I'll, let's go back to Division real quick. That sure. tour where they they had that Pulse out, uh, double CD. That was a great. That I own that one. Great live album. A great know, live album. You can't forget about that. I'm just talking about single I, uh, I, I, studio albums. Oh yeah, I know, I know. But I'm just, just well, for them. I know. But what I'm saying is, is that if I had a choice between listening to Division Bell or Pulse, I mean, 
Pulse is definitely going to be the, uh, a win. Oh, but yeah. Then, then you're getting into the realm of, oh, it kind of sounds weird because you're not getting into that story from beginning to end, but it's live, so whatever. It's, it's right. awesome. And that was that was the best theatrics that they had for that tour in 94. Right. It was like everything was just full bloom for Pink Floyd. It was Floyd mania you know, right. in 94. And, uh, yeah, then it all fell apart. <laughs> yeah, well, it fell apart. It, well... Coincidentally, also well, they in, went separate ways. Yeah, the, finally. But in 2005, after how many humpteen years of litigation between the rights to the Pink Floyd name between Waters and then you know Gilmore, Wright, and Mason in 2005 at the Live Aid show, they kind of buried the axe a little bit because that's the first yeah. time they all came together. I was so like wanting them to be like, oh, you know what, spare the hatchet, guys. Let's let's go back on tour together. But no. it didn't happen. So. No, absolutely yeah. not. So they recorded uh, one more album. Yeah. After that, it released The Endless River. That was in 2014. Which was the the unheard that Vision was, Bell. Yeah. Mostly instrumental. Yep. Pretty yep. good, though. Yep, it was it was good. Um, well, they, they released that album because in between the Live Aid show and that album, uh, Rick Wright actually died yeah. of uh, lung cancer in, his, in London in 2008. So that kind of buried the hatchet there on that part as well yeah but anyway so that wraps it up a little bit guys we uh we wanted to go over them a little bit more and uh wanted to give the devils their due because like i said each one of them in their own in their own respect was absolutely phenomenal they were phenomenal musicians they were phenomenal together yes they divided but they still their their legacy lives on and you can still catch Roger Waters touring. Unbelievable, man. He must be in his like what, eighties? Yeah, he loves it. I more power to him, man. That's right. Jagger's doing it too, so Yeah, that's right. So we'll be back with you guys next Friday. Stay tuned. Like as always, if you guys have anybody that's uh you know wants to be a phone in guest, email me at WillieWhitebread. 69 at gmail.com and please go ahead and give us a review a review on whatever source you listen to your podcast we'll see you next week guys thanks guys